0: Come to our Bible now and to this passage in Matthew chapter nine, and we're going to look at the last couple of verses. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth his laborers. Let's unite in prayer a moment. Father, we do take our cue from this command. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest will thrust forth laborers. How greatly we need men called of God, men moved by the Spirit, men empowered by the Holy Ghost to preach the glorious gospel to the ends of the earth. We pray for our ministers, we pray for our missionaries today serving Thee in their respective places. And even here, O Lord, we ask that Thou wilt come and pour out Thy Spirit upon Thy church. Grant us a breath of revival. Lord, we don't know when You may be pleased to send national or world revival, but Lord, our earnest cry is even now in this congregation, send us a breath of the Holy Spirit to every heart. Do revive us, O Lord, minister to us. Give help in this pulpit, give help in the pew today also. May we be hearers of thy word and led to be doers of thy word also. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. There are many, many things that attract us to the Lord Jesus we rejoice that He satisfies our souls. And that's not just a cliché. Sometimes it's like that in Christian circles where we fall into just little isms, things we say along the way. But truly, every born-again, blood-washed Christian knows that Jesus satisfies the soul. And what a wonderful attraction that is. We know that our Lord Jesus is all sufficient. We don't need Jesus plus anybody or anything. He is enough. And of course, as we come to worship Him, we also rejoice that He is sinless. He is the sinless Savior. One of the conundrums of the Bible is, as you read through the characters of the Bible, you'll find that they have many shortcomings. Some of them have great big sins and glaring sins. And you wonder, should I be following that person at all? But when it comes to our Lord Jesus, there was none that was able to find fault, not even Herod, not even his enemies, not even Judas, who was an insider. He knew that he was true and complete. Now, the outstanding characteristic that I want to preach about today is the Savior's sympathy, just to know that He cares. Now, Matthew 9, 36 to 38 is a record of the Savior's compassion when He looked out upon the multitudes and He saw the people. The Lord Jesus loved people that humanly speaking, he didn't know. He had no real interaction with them or one-to-one experience. He just looked out, and he saw the crowd, and his heart was moved with compassion. Why? He saw them fainting. He saw them scattered. And that simply means that they were a trodden-down people. Now that was true politically, because the roman had, Romans had conquered uh, they were an oppressed people, they were taxed to death, they were uh, you know kept in poverty and penury and all of those ways. but the Lord saw more. He saw the spiritual bondage he saw the the misery uh, that filled so many hearts, and he wanted them to be shepherded. We can take that from the final uh, exhortation. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. He wanted these people to be ministered to, even by earthly vessels, evangelists, pastors, teachers, those who would care for their souls. And of course, we can apply that to any community or town here in Calgary today. The Lord wants the people of this community to be shepherded. He sees them as sheep spread abroad, cast down, without a shepherd. And He calls us to care for their souls. Now, the word compassion... In the verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. That word compassion really is key. It's a big, long, awkward word in the Greek language. It's filled with vowels, and it's very hard for an English person to pronounce it. I'm going to give it a go. I'll probably fail. But just to prove the point of its difficulty, uh, it is splagnozomiae. It's very difficult, therefore, to transliterate. You did that to an English Bible, it wouldn't mean anything. And so we have this English word, compassion. And in Matthew's gospel alone, it is used repeatedly. I'm not sure if I have time to give every example, but there are at least four of them, and I'll read them to you. That'll maybe be a little better. If you just listen, I'll read them to you. Matthew 14:14. 14, 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Now, the point to note is that He not only saw something, He did something about it. And that's the Lord Jesus we serve and worship. He not only sees your need, He not only in lip service says He cares, but He enters in to minister to your need. And then another time in Matthew 15, while feeding the 4,000, Jesus called His disciples unto them and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Because they were hungry. They were out in the wilderness. It was a long way back. Many of them would faint by the way. And he organized and miraculously provided food for them. The point again is, he saw the need and he did something about it. That's real compassion. And then in Matthew 18, the parable of forgiving a man in great debt. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Wow! Wish we had a banker like that. Someone who, when we say, I can't pay my bill this month, does something about it, helps out in a real way. And then the next example is the two blind men that came to the Lord. This is Matthew 20. So, Jesus had compassion on them, restored their eyesight. Now, this is the Lord Jesus that we worship today, and our Bible reveals to us, and that I have the great privilege of preaching to you today. And I want to spend the remaining time just simply preaching on how you and I can enter into the sympathy the caring nature of our Lord Jesus. We need firstly to meditate on the reasons for the Lord's caring, compassionate nature. When we go to a door in a community and say, I want you to hear about Jesus, who do you think they think about? Jesus. When I preach to you this morning, and of course I've got a mixed congregation here of ages and peoples and backgrounds, when I speak to you about this man called Jesus, do you really know how much he cares about you? Now we should expect that this Savior that God would send into the world that was prophesied of over and over and over in the Old Testament that he would really care. You know that gospel section of Isaiah 40? It starts out with, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And of course, this is the ministry of the Lord Jesus. He sent to comfort. Now, we think of that as the title given to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was sent by our Lord Jesus. He said, I will give you another comforter when he was to depart. But that was the ministry of Jesus himself. He was the comforter who entered into the cares, the problems, the needs of his people. Now, in Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. And so the Messiah, even back in Isaiah, was spoken of as a shepherd, as a feeder of the lambs, and he would carry them in his bosom. Now, that's a true shepherd, a shepherd out in the cold hillside, And that little lamb is shivering with cold. It's gotten away from the flock. And the shepherd carries it in its bosom. Again, just a a pre-picture of the nature of the Savior that God would send into the world. And so when the Lord sees these people of his day fainting, Scattered as without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion, we are told. Now, we've got to think about these things. We've got to let this sink in. To the ungodly, the name of God is just the big, bad, ugly ogre that's out to get us. Well, of course, that's not the nature of God at all. Even the God of the Old Testament. I'm sure many people, your, one of your favorite Psalms is 103, and he is, as a tender father pitieth his children, he remembereth that we are dust, and he cares. That, that's the Jehovah of the Old Testament. And so when our Lord Jesus, who is Jehovah Jesus, he's God in human nature, He cares. He has great compassion. There's a famous Italian painter that spent years painting a a beautiful scene on a dome in some edifice in Rome. When it was all done, of course, the tourists, the crowds came to look up at this scene, but they couldn't see it very well. And they gazed and of course their necks stretched and they couldn't take it all in. So what he did, he planted a mirror, a large mirror on ground level and instead of the tourists coming and looking up, they looked down at the mirror and they saw the picture fully and comfortably. When God sent his son, he sent us the express image of His person. If you want to know God, consider the Lord Jesus. Study His life. Study His ways. Study His ministry. And the Lord is a compassionate Savior to us because He took our human nature. One of the great wonders of Christianity, that this God is become as us in our very nature. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. Why? What was one of the big reasons he wanted to be made in our nature? Hebrews says that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. This is our Savior. He went to all the trouble of leaving heaven's glory, the second person of the Trinity, taking human form in Mary's womb, being born into a cursed stable, a sinful world, and living for us. This is our Lord Jesus. And this compassionate Savior cares because He knows. He has perfect knowledge. He knows our needs, having lived in a body just like us. He knows thirst. He knows weariness. He knows reproach. He knows pain. He knows anguish. He knows the emotions that men and women go through. And as our hymn writer put it, there's not a sorrow that he does not understand. And so whether it's a a mother's heart, a lady's medical problem, a man's struggle in the workplace, earning bread for his family, our Lord Jesus knows and therefore cares. There's another way in the Lord Jesus is really compassionate because He understands temptation. Now that's our lives in the crucible of this world. We're just like living in, in a, a mortar or a bowl that's being pounded with temptations. Well, the Lord Jesus suffered temptation in a most vicious, horrendous way right through his life, even to the cross. And in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Maybe you've come to church this morning and you feel you're the most tempted soul in Calgary. You've struggled all week. Temptation has crowded in. And of course, for one to care, he must enter into that arena of temptation. And Jesus did. And so the Lord's compassion, it's not bookish. It's not something that's found on the dusty shelf of a library. It comes from the heartbeat of human experience. He knows he cares. Hebrews 5.8 tells us, though we were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Firstly, it staggers my mind that the Lord Jesus had to learn anything. But in a real experiential way, he entered into, he went through Suffering, anguish, sorrow, that he, by his obedience, would know our needs. Now, the word "succor," of course, simply means to aid. He's a helper, and he comes alongside. That's one of the great words in the Christian's prayer life. If you remember the disciples in the storm in the boat and when the Lord Jesus was asleep at the rear of the boat in the midst of the storm, they cried to the Lord Jesus, Master, carest thou not that we perish? How come he doesn't care? Now, I think more than the disciples are guilty of saying that. I think you're guilty of that. I think you've said it over and over. How come the Lord doesn't care? And yet this is is the great need. Now you may accuse other religious founders of not caring, but never the Lord Jesus. If you read the book of Quran, the Islamic faith, it's a world of, War, a world of conquering, even with the sword, if necessary. And in that 7th century religion, Islamics to this day are stuck in that world. Because Muhammad to them is the final prophet. And whatever he said in practice, that's the way to do it. Now, we also say that the Lord Jesus is the final prophet. He's the Savior that God promised from the beginning of the world. And there's none other. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. But what a compassionate Savior he is. After all, he said to his disciples, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, when ye love one another. Our struggle is keeping up with the example of grace and compassion and the mercy, the loving kindness of the Lord. How can we even rise to that level? And we yearn that we may do better, but we must study Him. We must keep our eyes on the Lord. And so, this is the way to enter into the sympathy, the sympathetic ministry of our Lord Jesus, to consider Him, but also to enter into the rest that it brings. This would be the difference between having medicine in the cupboard under lock and key and you taking the medicine and it working health in your body. One thing to know this man, Jesus, was amazingly merciful and compassionate. There was never a person that came to him for help that he turned away. You'll find that as you read the Gospels. you notice that, I hope, in the passage we read today with all those different people that came. Everyone that came with all their various needs, the Lord Jesus met their need. <clears throat> and so... We're to study Him. The Bible also says that we're to pray in His name and unto Him. Let's go to Hebrews 4.14. I've been reading these passages and I haven't been taking the time to allow you to open them up and I think it'd be good to do this. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Seeing then... That we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. In other words, don't give up. Don't don't say for a moment he doesn't care. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. What an overcomer he was. What do we do about it now? How do we enter into this? The apostle says in Hebrews 4 verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Coming boldly means to just come all out, holding back nothing. Open up your heart. Open up your soul. Open up your life to the help, the compassion that comes from the Lord Jesus. Pray to Him today, July 9th, 2023, knowing that He's the same Jesus as when He looked upon the multitudes and had compassion upon them. He has not changed. He is the same Lord Jesus. And pray knowing that there's no problem too great or too small. You see, the devil whispers in our ear and said, Jesus doesn't care about your little problem. The headaches, the heartache, the car bill, the financial struggles, the dietary issues, Why would God, the creator of all the world, worry about the little things that I have to go through? But if the devil can stop you from praying over little things, he'll also stop you from praying over bigger things. And because he's infinite and the creator of the world, he sees the sparrow fall. He numbers the hairs on our heads. He knows individual needs and cares. And I know we've got a big world with 7 billion people and wars going on in various parts of the world, and there's hunger and starvation and and disease in the world, and yet your relatively little need, Jesus cares. Don't stop bringing the little things to the Pray about it. Unburden your heart about it. Come boldly to the throne of grace, we are told, that we may find grace and help. Help. That is surely the great need. If you're in that state of, I'm questioning Jesus caring for me, Would you take your hymnal and sing every day, What a friend we have in Jesus. That'll be medicine to your soul. That'll lift you out of the gloom. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to pair. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. To rest in this sympathy, to really open the cabinet and get at the medicine and let it work in your own soul, we need to rest in the sympathy of Christ by praying for the Lord's help in every time of need. This word help is is really the greatest word in the Christian vocabulary. Help, Lord. The psalmist used it over and over 32 times in the book of Psalms. It's the natural cry of a child to a father or mother. Help. I can't reach it. I can't open the door. Help. All even the little things. Cry for help. And then to foster a a Christian life of enjoying the Lord's help, praise Him for it. Don't forget to thank the Lord for His help. Every morning should be a cry, help me today. And every evening should be a note of praise, thank you for your help today. Lift up your Ebenezer, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And by so living, and it's a lifestyle. It's not just a book out of some prayer volume. It's your own heart filled with a conscious awareness. Jesus cares and comes to my aid and helps me in every need. And I delight in His help and I praise Him for it. And it becomes a life of dependence on the Lord. Now, is that not what Christian growth is? Depending more on the Lord and less on yourself? Is that not real growth? Is that not what the branch does on the vine as it grows the fruit and the fruit bears more and more weight? It's leaning and, and, and finding its strength in the vine all the season. And as we say, we're growing in the gospel, we're growing in the Christianity, growing in faith, it ought to be materialized, manifest, made evident in your life by leaning more and more on Him. The Christian life is learning to lean, learning to lean. But that nature of our Lord Jesus and all the grace that is in Him and all the the compassion that is in Him, don't let it be like the locked-up cabinet with the key turned and it doesn't do you a button of good. You just consider that in the cabinet and leave it there, and you go about your life on your own strength. That's not Christian living. Christian living is knowing who Jesus is, knowing that He cares, knowing the compassion that is in Him, and taking the medicine every day as the healing, helping power in your own life. And of course, to really enter into it, we must get back to the cross. Because the biggest grief that you and I bear is our sins. And we sin. And we need the cleansing blood. And we need the victory of Calvary and anew to wash us, and to liberate us from the guilt, the shortcomings, the failures, and we need to go back to the cross. And that's where we find the mercy, the compassion of the Lord Jesus. And I assure you that if you repent and turn to the Lord for mercy from sin, he cares And he'll do something about it. He'll wash away that sin. He'll liberate your heart and mind. He'll give you a freedom in your soul. And that guilty conscience is relieved and set free. That's the nature and the work of the Lord Jesus in our souls. Now, To wrap up today, and that's the word you've been waiting for, isn't it? The wrap up. If we believe that this is our Jesus, this is the Christ we know and serve, if we personally enjoy this mercy and this compassion in our own souls, to enjoy that sympathy of Christ further, We need to minister the remedy to others, to those that are without a shepherd, those that are scattered abroad, trampled down. You see, the Lord Jesus closed this chapter with, pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. But what kind of laborers did he want? What kind of preachers, evangelists, and Christian witnesses did the Lord want? Surely He wanted them to convey His own compassion. And the preacher that does not have the love of Christ burning in his own heart, how can He really minister the remedy of the gospel to anyone else? Now this commission that the Lord gave to His disciples. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. But such laborers need to have that same heart, that nature that is in the Lord Jesus. And we will not do the Lord's cause any good unless we have a heart filled with that same compassion. You need to be known as a compassionate Christian. Father in your home, you need to be known as a compassionate father. Oh, I can, I can open up my heart to my dad because he cares for me and he will, he will do what's best for me. I know that. He, he will really help me. Likewise, a wife in the home. You need to have that heart of the Savior. A real Christian wife with compassion. I'll not get into all the scenarios of a bitter, hard-nosed mother-wife in the home. What a trial that becomes. How unchristian that is. But to have a Christ-like, caring, compassionate mother-wife Son or daughter, let's apply that to our children too. Children, do you care? Do you care that you're a blessing in your home? That's the Christian witness. Now, as I wrap up here today, I want to just share with you the difference between two English words, empathy and sympathy. And I usually have to go to the dictionary when I say things or write things on this because I need to get it clear in my own mind. Sympathy in English can be that you are there with the person. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you understand what that person is going through. Empathy, on the other hand, means you have gone through something of their experience. It's like a cancer patient who has either come through cancer or has endured it for a long time, speaking with another cancer patient. It's like a business person that has suffered bankruptcy, either through their own fault or not, coming alongside a person struggling in business and knows the horrendous burden of it. For a Christian It's someone who has known the awful power of sin and they've been delivered from it, coming alongside and saying, what Jesus did for me, he can do for you. And isn't that our Christian witness to the world? What Jesus did for me, he can do for you. There's a song about that. Empathy means you've walked in their shoes. And you can be like Christ by extending that kind of empathy and sympathy to their need because you become part of the remedy. That's my my point here. When Jesus had compassion, the the scene behind it is he sought and he did something about it. If we be a Christian that have Christ-like compassion... We'll not only see such needs, but we'll have a burden to do something about it. And sometimes it grieves us that it's beyond our control. It's like sand going through our fingers. We can't really help. But other times we can. And we can be there and minister the remedy. Pray for the fields that are white on the harvest. I don't think we have to leave Canada to do that. I don't think we have to leave Calgary to do that. We don't even have to leave Pine Town to do that. All around us here are hurting souls. Lives that are messed by sin and shame. And they need our Savior. May we be that lifeline unto them. I'll share something personal with you. When I came to Canada in 1984, the mission board of our Free Presbyterian Church uh, raised some funds, and they printed this little card with my picture on it. And we had the gospel text, Matthew 9, 36. Pray for laborers, the fields are white on the harvest. In my mother's home to this day, on her kitchen window, is that little card. Now, she hasn't been the most supportive person about me leaving my home country. But she still has that little card there. And all I can say is that over the last, 39 years this has been my burden for Canada I trust that you will make it your burden too and pray that the Lord of the harvest he's the one that can gather in the souls he's the one that's going to do it he's the Lord of the Harvest and that He will send forth laborers. And He can make you a laborer. He can make you a soul winner. He can make you a voice for the gospel in your sphere of life. You don't have to join a missionary group. You don't have to sign up for Bible college. You don't have to leave your country or city. You can can be a witness for Christ every day. And it begins in your heart, enjoying the personal compassion, the love of the Lord in your own soul. If you're a guilty, grumpy, defeated Christian, you'll never be a soul winner. But if you are enjoying this gospel, this compassion that is in the Lord Jesus, you will be a blessing to others. Let's pray for that in closing. Let's pray. Father, we come in prayer today with thanksgiving and praise for this time of considering our Lord Jesus. Our prayer is that you will make us like our Savior to truly know the mercy and the grace that is in him. And make our lives living vessels, workers in your harvest field, to the lost. Save the lost, we pray. Have mercy in our day and generation. And use us for thy kingdom's work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our final hymn is 435 love divine all love's excelling joy of heaven to earth come down fix in us thy humble dwelling all thy faithful merci'es crown 435